Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Sam. Uh, I'm part of the, the church here at Greyfriars, um, and I have the privilege of speaking tonight on a greater wisdom, um, which is interesting because I believe myself to be a fundamentally unwise man. Um, but I'm going to speak on wisdom anyway, and um, we're going to—we've uh, been going through this uh, a number of psalms in August. And we're going to take a bit of a scenic route through 1 Corinthians and then we're going to land in Psalm 49 to finish um, and hopefully understand something of what this greater wisdom uh, is. So I want to start by telling you a story. Uh, Next slide, please, Sarah. Um, And our story takes place in Rome in the year 200, about about 1800 years ago. Uh, And we are in a Roman boarding school. And this was a boarding school for imperial page boys, uh, so youngsters who would one day go on to rise to prominence in some sort of role in the Roman Empire. And now we might imagine the kind of banter, the kind of tribalism, the kind of jokes that go on uh, when young people spend all their time together. You've got got those in-jokes, you've got pranks, uh, and actually behavior that probably more than once crosses the line into looking a lot like bullying. Um, And in our boarding school in Rome in the year 200 AD, there is one particular boy who is being picked on. Now all of us who grew up going to school will know that it doesn't take much for someone to find something to make fun of you for. Perhaps it was the way that you spoke or the way that you looked. Um, I personally got grief for having a massive head. Um, Or perhaps it was for something you believed. And our victim in this story is called Alexomenos. And he, and presumably his family, have believed the accounts of the man who was crucified and came back to life in Judea 170 years earlier. They have believed the accounts of Jesus Christ and have as such become Christians. And this is something that marks Alexomenos out as different to his peers at boarding school. Okay? And consequently, it's certain to have brought him a world of grief. His classmates would have been confounded. What a ridiculous thing to believe. A man who claimed to be a king, the son of God even, was crucified, died the lowest death you could possibly die in the Roman Empire, and supposedly came back to life. So surely this is Alexamenos' own fault for believing what he believes that he's getting picked on. And we don't know how this story resolves itself. And you might even be wondering how I can possibly know that a chap called Alexomenos was getting bullied for being a Christian in the year 200. And the way that we know that is in 1857, excavations in Rome revealed the site of the former imperial boarding school. And next slide, please, Sarah. It revealed this on the wall. Okay? And what you're looking at there is some year 200 AD graffiti. And what's depicted is Alexomenos has been drawn and he is worshipping on the cross a mule. And then underneath in Greek scrawled the words, Alexomenos worships his God. And do you know, of all the paintings, of all the illustrations in children's books and children's Bibles, in every uh, uh, digital media that we've had produced since then of the crucifixion, this is the earliest depiction of the crucifixion we have available to us from the year 200 
less than 200 years after Jesus dies. This is the earliest depiction of the crucifixion we have. And it's a joke. It's a mean-spirited joke that paints Jesus as a mule, um, as something completely foolish. And then by extension, Alexa Menos to be even more foolish for worshipping the mule as his God. Perhaps you may even relate to Alexa Menos, friends, colleagues, family members, who may not be scribbling cartoons on the wall to illustrate the fact, but nonetheless consider your decision to follow Jesus Christ, the man who was crucified and rose again, as something unwise, as something foolish. And this is something the Apostle Paul, as he writes his first letter to the Corinthian church, is acutely aware of. He has traveled far and wide and spoken to all sorts of different kinds of people about who Jesus was and what he did and what it means for them. And he knows how it sounds. The one who was crucified and came back to life. The one who beat the grave. Go to the next slide, please. So Paul says this in the letter to the Corinthians. But we who are being saved... Know that the cross is the very power of God. Those who don't get it, they really do not get it. And the Alexa Menos graffiti is a really good example of, of just how much they don't get it. And I probably don't need to tell you about the people that you know in your life who consider your decision to follow Jesus as something unwise, that actually that's probably how it always was. But for those who do get it, for those who have heard the accounts and have believed and have seen and have tasted of the sweetest of loves, know that this cross, far from being foolish, is the way that we are being saved and the way that we will inherit eternal life. And Paul then goes on to quote a bit of Old Testament scripture. Can we go to the next one? Okay, here we go. Paul says that he will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. But we must be careful with how we hear this because God is not saying he doesn't want us to be wise. God is not saying he doesn't want us to be intelligent. But it's a comment on those who believe themselves to be wise or intelligent in the wrong way. And the best way to understand what that means is to get to grips with the context of this letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Now, who is this? Sir Alex Ferguson, the most successful manager in English football of Manchester United, as much as it pains me to say. Now, the next question is, and some, some of you may know this, if Alex Ferguson's Manchester United team have played poorly in the first half, what does he give his players at half-time? The hairdryer treatment. Yes, thank you, Joel. Their hairdryer treatment. So it was said that Alex Ferguson would get so angry at his Manchester United players, so irate that he would scream at them at such a decibel that the experience with hot air blowing in your face was not unlike having a hairdryer pointed at you. This is the hairdryer treatment. We can go to the next slide now. Um, so the letter to the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, is Paul giving the church there the hairdryer treatment. Even if you've no interest in football and Alex Ferguson and any of that, know that that's what's happening in this letter, to a degree. Paul has spent 18 months in the city of Corinth, 
and has planted a church there. And in the way that Paul does, he doesn't want them to become overly reliant on him and he wants to continue traveling to plant churches in more places. So after a year and a half, he moves on. And then he hears, uh, through some reports a little while after, the, the, the church that he's planted, the church he loves dearly, has come under the influence of pagan philosophers, likely from Athens, trying to bring their own unique brands of spirituality and wisdom. These are the wise, these are the intelligent, in inverted commas. And the effect of this is a load of largely younger believers thinking they are essentially kind of angels or kings and they can do whatever they want, okay? In terms of their bodies, in terms of idol worship and some other problematic stuff as well. And so on hearing this, Paul isn't happy and is writing back to them with this letter. So Paul's gutted, but I think probably not overly surprised that his church that he cares for so deeply has succumbed to the influence of individuals operating in their own wisdom. And it is this wisdom Paul is condemning through the use, the use of this passage from the book of Isaiah all the way back in the Old Testament. So for all these young people in his church who are being led astray to the desires of their flesh, these wise people, these intelligent people who've come in from Athens and other places as well probably, but these wise and intelligent people are affirming the things that are destroying them and convincing them they're able to do whatever it is that they want. And with, these own, uh, with this self-proclaimed worldly idea of what it is to be wise, they do lead the church astray. And it's the same earthly wisdom that declares the crucifixion of Christ foolish. And it also declares people free to do whatever they want. And this is not a sermon about why actually for people uh, limits can be really good. Um, but I'm always really happy to talk about that um, if you want. But it is a sermon about what wisdom looks like for the individual who chooses to follow Jesus. Because the temptation is all too great, I think, to conform to the wisdom of the world. Is it not? Um, wouldn't it be easier uh, if we were able to do whatever we wanted with ourselves all the time? And we can include loads of things here. Yeah, our minds might jump to sexual immorality. But actually, I think we can feel a great temptation towards the ruthless pursuit of power and status and money and implementing idols in our lives that we worship in the place of God. And if we feel like we might be second-guessing ourselves and our actions when we're doing whatever we want. A quick bit of worldly wisdom can affirm us and make us feel okay with whatever it is that we're involved in that we might know that we shouldn't be. And I am as guilty of this as anyone. And as it happens today, it's exactly what was happening in the Corinthian church. Their new wise people were offering the people whatever wisdom they needed to justify whatever it is that they wanted to do. And it was at this point I thought, um, I want to try and find a, a really good example of an advert that speaks to kind of pure worldly wisdom, the kind of thing that you might see on TV uh, or online or when you're on the tube or on the train, um, and you see it and something in your mind just goes, whoa, that's not right. That's so not right. And I thought of a few, and in the end I couldn't find one that I thought, I, I thought worked quite well, but um, maybe it was something like a... a, a kind of crypto investing advert that spoke to a love and worship of money or it was a, a, a dating app advert that encouraged people to find one night stands. And maybe some of that calls to you, I don't know. 
So what then of the wisdom of these people who do call Jesus Lord? Well, we know as well as uh, Alexa Menos how the world can see our relationship with wisdom in that they can think that we don't always have a lot. But I want to explore with you all how that godly wisdom is worked out in our lives as people who follow Jesus. And I don't think this is a, a super binary relationship. We go to the next slide. Thanks, Sarah. Um, oh, by the way, my, my text rendered really badly when I moved these uh, slides over. So if you're into graphic design and stuff, some of these slides might cause you physical pain. Um, so I apologize if so, um, but this is one of them. Um, and I, when I was thinking about what wisdom kind of looked like in my life and maybe in some of your, your lives as well, I thought about it maybe more like a spectrum. So it wasn't like one day I woke up and was like, I'm going to show worldly wisdom today. And then other days I could wake up and go, and today I will, be, I will show godly wisdom. I think it's more of a spectrum. So there might be one thing in my life where actually I, I, I probably do conform more to the pattern of the world and I, I do allow the adverts and the conventional wisdom um, of those around me who maybe don't know Christ to seep into my own life and mean that I act in a way that probably isn't the way that God would want me to act. It's probably parts of my life that's like that. But then there might be other parts of my life where actually I do feel more emboldened through the other Christians I know, through bits of scripture I've read, to kind of draw a line and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to go down that path because I don't think that's the path God wants me to go down in this area. So I can show a bit more godly wisdom as well. And I think that's probably fair enough that in our lives there's things that will be further, further this way into, into worldly wisdom, but then there'll also be things over that way that are more into godly wisdom. And I thought... Um, I said, again, I was like, oh, we need a real-world example of, of maybe kind of people we can learn from and, and, and understand more about what it means to, to receive godly wisdom and think in a, in a way that is, is kind of imbued with godly wisdom. And this is what I came up with. Next slide, please, Sarah. Oh, how does that make you feel? <laughs> in the, over the last two weeks, uh, uh, our young people here and, and uh, all across the nation have been picking up their GCSE and A-level results. And yeah, I do wonder what kind of feeling this inspires in the pit of your stomach. I can still remember really vividly that feeling of walking into school for an exam. Um, the anxiety, the dread. Have I revised the right things? What happens to my prospects in life if I mess this up? And other assorted negative emotions fill in your, fill in your own. And you'd get in through the doors at school and you'd head to the exam hall, you'd drop your belongings at, at, at the back and take your transparent pencil case and your labelless water bottle to your desk and then an invigilator would call the room to attention and now there's no more talking you're under examination conditions and then the papers start to be placed on the desks um, as they wait to start the exam and in that moment this year in GCSE and A-level exams thousands and thousands of students who love Jesus will have prayed prayers of real godly wisdom. Absolutely. We, um, me and my wife, so we were recently at Keswick Convention. Uh, we, were, we were working there for, for LICC. Um, and uh, we uh, met loads of young people who either just sat there, GCSEs or A-levels, and I'm so convinced they would have been praying prayers, something like this. Lord, I know that regardless of what happens in this exam, regardless of the grade I achieve, that I am your child. A child worth going to the cross for. A child so deeply loved that a bad grade in maths wouldn't change how you feel about me. 
So give me now, right here in this moment, a deep, lasting peace. And then these students will look around the room at their classmates, at their, at their friends, and see the faces of anxiety and dread that they themselves had been exhibiting only moments ago. But they're living in a dis- different wisdom now. They've taken a different path. And they're in the wisdom of Alexa Menos. They're in the wisdom of 2,000 years of church history, where sometimes they may look a bit weird, and sometimes people may treat them quite poorly as a result. But it's real, and it's worth it. We go to the next slide. So this is Psalm 49, uh, uh, verse 5. It's kind of cut off at the bottom. Um, Why should I fear when trouble comes, when enemies surround me? This is their reality for those young people who pray that prayer. Um, I hope all of them got the results they wanted, uh, either the first Thursday just gone or the one before that. I hope they all got into their university and sixth form college they wanted to get into. But whether they did or they didn't, the godly wisdom says, you're all right. As Psalm 49 says, in quite stark language, regardless of our status in life, regardless of how much wealth and status and power I can acquire, none of it matters if I do not know God. We go to the next slide. Thanks, Sarah. It's our last one. When we live knowing that God will redeem us, it changes everything. When we know that he snatches us from a death that was ours to die because he died it instead, the things of this world take on a different amount of significance. So, you know, this was young people in their examinations this summer. But actually for us at work and amongst our friends and amongst our family where we feel stress, where we feel like enemies surround us, whether that's literally or figuratively, is that right? Yeah, literally or figuratively enemies. We can draw on the wisdom that they've drawn on. We can learn from them and choose the path of godly wisdom. So when Paul writes to the Corinthian church and gives them the hairdryer treatment, he knows that if they are convinced of this, of the knowledge that God will redeem them in their lives, and any amount of self-denial for sinful temptations or even persecutions in the present, all of it will pale in comparison to the coming glory that awaits those who are convinced of this good news of Jesus Christ. And this is true for all of us who call on the name of the Lord. For you and I today, for the person sat next to you, and for Alexa Menos in Rome in 200. And I really hope in that moment that he saw that cartoon on the classroom wall of him worshipping his God who they'd drawn as a mule. Alexa Menos was confident and steadfast in his godly wisdom knowing that the world would not get it, choosing to believe anyway that Jesus really did die on a cross and come back to life, and in doing so, atoned for his sins and enabled him to live in a relationship with his Father in heaven. So we too can take heart that in those times of stress, in those times of difficulty among those who do not understand and do not believe, 
we can call on the wisdom granted to us by our belief in God, by our belief in Jesus. That though others may prosper in this lifetime, as Psalm 49 assures us, we have a vision that is so much greater. And that though we will be tempted by the wisdom of the world, as 1 Corinthians chapter 1 assures us, we have a wisdom again that is so much greater. I, on um, Friday night, I went uh, to the house I used to live in. Um, Adam uh, has come and joined us tonight very kindly. Um, and we sat in your back garden and we toasted s'mores and we talked about this sermon um, and what it was going to end up looking like. And, and you made a really good point. Um, or you used a really good phrase. It was, we, we have to consider how we are being discipled by the world. Because we're being discipled by something. We're always being discipled by something. We're growing in the image of something more and more every day. And I guess it's on that, it's on that uh, spectrum. So some days we might be more... Um, uh, 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 discipled in the way of Jesus and the way of the Lord but in other days we probably are being discipled more in the way of the world and that could be from people around us or it could be from the media that we consume um, and don't misunderstand me now and think that I'm now telling you to go and sever all your non-Christian friendships and never consume any uh, culture that isn't Christian ever again that's, that's far from what I, I'm suggesting but what I think we have to be attuned to and what we have to be really aware of is noticing the ways that the world can be discipling us. Where have we raised those idols? Where have we conformed to a love of status and power and money over choosing the way of Christ, which values humility and service? So I, I would love to pray. Uh, if I can invite the band um, uh, to come back, um, then we'll, just, we'll have some quiet time. Um, We'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and maybe show us some of those ways in, in real gentleness, maybe where we have been conformed more to the pattern of the world and the pattern of Christ and, and conformed to that earthly wisdom rather than the godly wisdom. So perhaps you'd like to stand with me, if you're able. And then just close your eyes um, and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and show us. Holy Spirit. Gentle Spirit. Would you come and convict us now? Would you come and challenge us now? To show us where in our lives we have found comfort in the ways and the patterns and the wisdom of this world. And Father, instead, would you show us the way of Christ? Would you show us what godly wisdom looks like? Help us to follow the example of our young people who during exams this summer will have sat and prayed prayers of, of, of real faith. That while their exams are important and while the other things in our lives are really important, that our status as your child is not under threat. And so, Father, I pray that as we worship now and we head out into the rest of our bank holiday weekend, that you convince us that there is a greater wisdom, that there is a greater path. 
and so that I will not fear when evil days come or when wicked deceivers surround us or when people draw cartoons on the wall or do something to that effect. Give us confidence in that greater wisdom, Lord, I pray. Amen.